Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. You've all seen people like this. You walk in a room and you notice that person who seems to have all eyes on them and commands the room. And we're talking about presence, right? We're talking about charisma, standing out from a crowd. And what is it about these impressive characters that make you stop and look when they walk into a room? I mean, how do they manage to command attention without even trying? From business meetings to first dates, job interviews to simple conversations, standing out in a crowd can be easy once you know how. And I'd argue that it's one of the most important skills to learn, yet it's so overlooked. It's not talked about enough. After all, the name of this podcast even speaks to that, right? But confidence and charisma creates a magnetism that just draws people to you, and that is highly attractive. When you command the room with that energy, you also create more opportunities to meet people and make meaningful connections that will leverage both your dating and your business life. And the beautiful thing about charisma is that it is a learned skill, which means, yes, I can teach it, evidenced by all the clients I've helped with this. And honestly, it's never too late to learn this. I taught an 85-year-old woman to flirt at a bar, you all. I I talk about that all the time. I remember working with one of my VIP clients on this and, you know, she was at 68, decided that she was tired of hiding and wanted to put herself out there and date. And she labeled herself as the quintessential introvert. And besides being single for seven years, she disclosed that she never really felt socially confident. And the thought of walking into a social place, whether that be in a restaurant, a party, a date was really hard for her. So, you know, I could just throw her into dating and put her online, but that's not what she needed. She really needed to feel more confident socializing before she could do that. She also wore really conservative clothes and she would constantly be in her head during the conversation, during conversations. So she didn't contribute much because she was fearing of saying the wrong thing and didn't know how to emotionally connect with anyone. And on top of that, she really feared being seen and talking with men. And the kicker is, is that she was extremely successful and she was beautiful. She was this warm woman who on the outside, you would never guess these insecurities. And she definitely was her own worst enemy because of that she just remained a homebody and not putting herself out there to socialize or date. So there she was single seven years, not doing anything, totally paralyzed. And we of course started working together on the outside as she really needed to see evidence that she was beautiful, not just talking about it, but she needed to see it in the mirror and get used to being seen. We got her a whole new wardrobe. Of course, I did a photo shoot, a wing gal session, And in her new look, then she started practicing talking to the strangers. And we had a lot of phone coaching sessions, of course, working on her confidence, using role-playing and practicing expressing herself through the storytelling. And we mapped out a dating plan on her calendar to various places and events to immerse herself into the social environments to build that social and flirt muscle. And 
she worked on a new online profile to practice flirting and her DM exchanges like this all kind of like snowballed. And once she accomplished one thing, it gave her the confidence to move on to the next. And towards the end of the social, the coaching cycle, I had her meet one of my male clients. It was, it was awesome. Um, and we were at this restaurant and I couldn't believe my eyes. She, she walked in like that person. I just said at the beginning of this episode where all eyes were on her and she slowed down, she demanded it and she got all dolled up in her hot dress and she flirted with my client. And it was just so beautiful to watch. And I kind of created a monster because now she just loves socializing. She's dating up a storm and she has that charisma. And, you know, great things can happen when you set yourself up to be noticed in the right way. And with me today, I have an amazingly charismatic woman herself. <laughs> and she definitely knows a thing or two about creating opportunities by helping people stand out. She is a media coach and strategist who is passionate about helping impact-driven entrepreneurs attract the next clients by being value-driven podcast guests. No pressure here, right? And she has been recognized as the best in the world at podcast guesting by seven-figure founders like John Lee Dumas, Dana Wilde, and Andrew Crozy, a media expert for two decades. She's helped broadcast the Olympic Games, y'all, produced an award-winning documentary for PBS, and has been featured in Inc., Business Insider, Bustle, The Huffington Post, and over 100 podcasts. Her superpower is translating your expertise into stories that connect and convert on podcasts. And she does this all with being a high-achieving, driven woman who is a sensitive, intuitive introvert and a great friend. And I love her. Christine Ammerman, are you there? Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? Like we've been wanting to do this forever. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's yeah. Perfect. And talk about standing out. I mean, you and I met at a podcast summit and I just feel like we were instantly attracted to one another, you know, and cause you do have that energy. You do have that thing that, you know, we were talking about and I don't know. I, I, I connected with you on like a personal level and obviously a business level, but I don't know your whole story, which is really interesting. And I purposely haven't asked like a deeper dive kind of questions into your story. Cause I, I am interested in how you got into all this. Mm. Ooh. You probably have a lot of twists and turns in your story as we all do, but yeah. Oh gosh. You know, I think that I, this journey of entrepreneurship, of owning my own charisma and presence, if you will, is, is largely a remembering and a returning mm. to who I was when I was three, four, five years old. And I have young, young daughters now. And it's, it's very interesting to watch them sometimes with that lens of, okay, it, this is perhaps where we are at our most unfiltered. This is where many of us are our truest selves. And then asking my parents, okay, how does this remind you of me? Or, or them going, well, that sounds familiar, right? When they're around <laughs> their grandkids and they're having flashbacks. And, and I was pretty extra 
as a kid. And then I, I was not afraid of anyone. I was bold with adults. And then I found my way into trying to be a perfectionist and mm. a type A high achiever, which I think you probably are too. <laughs> what? I don't know what you're talking We're about. Recovering, maybe. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and for a lot of years, I, w- I felt very insecure about being extra and I hit it. I... I didn't know how to, I wasn't comfortable with this idea of being a leader uh, because to me, what was modeled as leadership were older men, like in suits, Mm -hmm. on stage in church, on stage at corporate. And I was like, I'm not like any of that, right? Nor do I want to be. And so I was like, well, this, this whole idea of leadership is really uncomfortable for me. I don't know how to do it. I don't have a model I can relate to. And I also got told that I was bossy, that I was not the boss. I got criticized a lot for trying to do, in retrospect, what boys would have probably been praised for. I'm, you know, I'm in my 40s, so this was this was in the 80s, right? And um, and so I was like, this is not safe. It is not safe to be me. And it wasn't until I started sort of this iteration of my business after going through a personal tragedy that I was essentially like, well, I'm not dead. So I might as well be myself because I got to figure out how to create a life that's worth, like that feels in alignment, that feels worth living. And that was the catalyst for me reclaiming this, who I actually am. And then like, to your point, I love that you can teach charisma because a lot of people come to me and they're like, well, I'm not, you know, fill in the blank, crazy like you, energetic like you, blah, 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 like you. So I can't X, Y, and Z. And it's a learned skill and you could teach that skill. So thank you for busting that myth. Yeah. Well, and thank you for just sharing that. You know, it's so funny that you talked about being that carefree kid who was frolicking around just really being you. I talk about that a lot in ways of flirting that, you know, you just watch kids four or five years old and they haven't developed the filters yet. Right. They're just, they are so present and they're so playful. And what happens, like what happened to you is that hurt happens and experience kind of shut us down. And so we develop these walls and filters that then we shut down. So whether you're an extra, as you call it, or extrovert or an introvert, I think what ends up happening is we get in our heads about what's supposed to be the right thing, or you worry about what other people think or feel rather than you just doing what you want and expressing that. And that's so, so important. Well, I know I'm interested in what you said that you had something happen to you that kind of catapulted. I I don't know if you wanted to share that, but like what kind of got you unstuck then? Yeah. So this is something that I would not wish on anyone else. And also I have come to be grateful for it because it was such a catalyst and such such a gift I, I chose to, I became determined to create something positive out of it. And um, at the end of my uh, 
um, pregnancy with my first daughter, she unexpectedly passed away. So I, I mean, it was literally going to one of my last OB appointments to find out how close I was to going into labor. The car seat was in the car and they couldn't find a heartbeat. And so, you know, I went from literally two days before having my baby showers, everyone in town, everything set up um, to now going to the hospital to deliver and being you know, put in this separate area because, you know, it wasn't going to be this joyful experience and being handed brochures about how to plan a service, how to plan a funeral while I was still nine months pregnant. And I didn't have any frame of reference for, for how to, how to cope, how to deal. Um, what I did know though, is that this was like a defining moment. Like Mm -hmm. I was like, I could watch myself and go, this is either going to be the end of you or it is going to, it's going to, it's going to be the thing that brings you back. And I also was kind of possessed with this determination to create a legacy for her because that was the only way I knew to parent somebody who wasn't here, who had never been here, right? In a way that other people could experience her. So as I dove into my own, you know, healing journey and, and work, I realized that at a certain point in my healing, I could, I could speak about that very authentically because it was the turning point, right? It was the reason. And it was one of the gifts that she gave me. And so that was eight years ago. And I have been really grateful that like, Lots of people around the world know that her name was Maeve and, you know, that I feel her with me. And mm. we, I talk about her with my younger daughters who are living and, um, you know, it's, it's, she's, she's part of the origin story of my business and sort of the, the transformation that my life has taken, um, since, since she entered it. Wow. Oh, I had no idea that you went through that and. And thank you for sharing. Cause you know, I think what you said also about, you know, there's like that fork in the road ahead of you. Like when you experience something like that and you could go one way or the other, and there's a dark path that you could have followed, you know, I, 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 and I wonder because, you know, a lot of people listening to this have experienced dark places and maybe that's what is keeping them stuck and hiding. Like, I know that was true for me when I, before I had my red dress moment and my frumpy mommy clothes hiding from the world, but like, what helped you make that decision to go more towards the light where using that to your benefit? It's a great question. I, I could see the dark path pretty clearly. It involved a lot of wine. It involved a <laughs> no locked way. bedroom door. Mm. And it did not involve much showering or hair brushing. Um, so, <laughs> Been there, you know what? Yeah. I get it. Like, I, I can 
deeply empathize with people who who go down that path because it very easily could have been me. I think what what came together for me at that moment was that it was a oh I'm playing small moment mm-hmm. and it was like am I going to keep doing that or am I going to that little thing as an intuitive person inside of me that was like you've always wanted to be on stages you did that when you were younger you you know you were bold you were uh, brave in the face of whatever fear i won't say fearless cuz i'm sure i wasn't right um but you were courageous because it's what you wanted and this is your chance like i i was going to have to redefine myself one way or another cuz like a lot of people in my life chose to exit at that point because they didn't know how to handle it. Oh, right. Which I think a lot of us experience when we go through something and people want us to be better so that they can feel better and not awkward around us. Right. Cause they don't know how to handle. I didn't know how to handle it either, but they definitely didn't know how to handle it and they could choose not to. I couldn't. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) So I think, I mean, this is when I I started getting my own coaching mm-hmm. and had somebody, you know, like you to ask me the questions and uncover it and help me go, well, who, who am I actually without all of this pain? And how can I be more fully expressed, be more authentic as, as a means of living a more fulfilling life and creating some purpose and creating some value for others, right. Through service also for myself. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it, it tied, it tied kind of this like restlessness that I had had inside of me. I was behind the scenes. I was an entrepreneur. I was behind the scenes of other people's businesses, helping them do really well. And also I I had this desire to be seen. I had this desire to stand out. I had this desire to be my full self. And um, I think it took also recognizing that probably the worst thing that I could imagine having happened to me had happened. Like I, I had that maternal thing that... And I, I'm not like an especially like maternal or nurturing like person. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have this sense of like, oh, if you had given me an option, I would have gladly traded places. Like that, I, I would have made that sacrifice in a second, right? And I didn't have that choice. So I the, the worst thing has happened. What am I actually afraid of anymore? Am I afraid of people leaving? Am I afraid of judgment? And am I afraid of failure? Well, somebody actually died, right? That in like my in my body. And then I had to go through delivery. And then I had to go through all of this trauma. And so if that happened and I'm still alive, like, what am I actually afraid of? Mm. Right. And so a lot of times when we're hiding out, I think sometimes it's just that opportunity to go, well, you survived it. Can, can being rejected actually be worse 
than that? Or is it a story our brain is telling us? Right? That is brilliant. I'm so happy you said that because I think the fear of rejection is so entangled in a lot of people like being fearful of being seen. And I know I was <laughs> talking to a client the other day and literally like he was doing nothing, nothing to be, because he was just so instilled with fear, fear of rejection from women, all these things. And I said, but what are you really scared of? And he's like, well, that I'll be rejected. I said, well, it can't get any worse than this. There's, you're not, <laughs> you're, you're sitting here in loneliness and despair and wishing that you had someone in your life to your point that you just said, like, how can it get any worse? It can only get better from here. <laughs> you know, if you put yourself in that state of, well, I'm just going to get some experience and the right people will then kind of respond to me. So yeah, no, that is so true. And, you know, everyone has different trauma, you know, and it's in, and things that kind of like help motivate. Well, cause I wondered, to get to that point, and maybe you help other clients with this too, just like given what you do, how do you help people get over maybe some of those insecurities or those fears? Mm. Maybe there were exercises you even did yourself. Yeah, I, I believe, and I would be curious how this translates to your work. Yeah. I believe we've already been through survived things that are all of us right? Most people's story maybe isn't, a lot of people's story maybe isn't as dramatic as mine, right? Um, I do believe though that we've all been through things that are harder, were harder, um, and we're still standing than anything that we're considering doing in the realms of uh, visibility, right? Whether it's visibility in dating whether it's visibility in sales and business, putting yourself out there, having a personal brand, like that these are these are these are fears that feel like life and death. And also that that we've we've all dealt with situations that that maybe actually were or that were potentially more dangerous and 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 we're still here. And so I think a lot of it is being willing to recognize that. So I mm recommend like something I call a confidence resume, which just, it's like, it's not just, you know, the things that you would put if you were applying for a job, because I don't have one of those anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I'm unemployable, right? Um, But also what's the stuff, what's the stuff that you're walking around with that you can be proud of that you survived, that you can stand in and go, man, that is an anchor for me. If I got through that, if I walked through that, if I came back from that, like perspective, yeah, right? And I often joke with my clients, like, okay, our brains are telling us like, this is going to kill us because, you know, they're not evolved yet. And we're still like trying to run away from the predator, right? T-Rex or whatever. <laughs> um, but also do it and don't die. And prove to your nervous system that you didn't die. Like it really is that simple. And we're often talking about something like this, like an interview, right? right? Okay. What's your job? You have one job, do it and don't die. Right. 
And <laughs> as, as you mentioned in your intro, like that's where the confidence comes from. It's from doing it and not dying. Yes. I love that. I love the whole notion of the confidence resume. Just like, that's a great reframe, you know, in, in the way that you can like look at yourself because we are so hard on ourselves. We are our own worst enemy every single time. And by the way, we're not that special. Like we think we're actually more special meaning, and I'm saying this tongue in cheek that everyone's noticing us. Like we walk in the room and like, Oh my God, here she is. And she's saying hi to me. Like, no guy goes back home and says, can you believe this woman said hi to me? Like that just doesn't happen, you know? And so we always think we're breaking news. And if we knew that it, it isn't as big as we're making it in our head, then it is in reality. And to your point, the only way to do that is to do it in real life and experience that it isn't as big as it, it is in your head. And to have those things to focus on, on your resume of what, what you are rather than what you're not. Yeah, right. Like being our own worst critic. Oh my gosh. Like my, my right-hand woman, my, (laughs) I bet you will have something to say about this. Like we were just together in Florida. I was doing a speaking engagement and then she was taking pictures of me at this, in this beautiful setting. And I was wearing like a, a romper and I, I never wear those. And, you know, it was like kind of short, cute shorts and, um, just my legs are really, really pale and white. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and she was showing me the pictures. And the first thing I said was like, ah, look at those white legs and those pink knees. And she, and, you know, later that night, she said to me, Christine, you are so hard on yourself mm-hmm. and you're so critical of yourself. And I said, well, that's just the stuff that comes out of my mouth. You should see what happens in my head. You know? <laughs> and, and, right. and she was like, man, She's like, that doesn't sound like a fun place to be. And I was like, oh, that's a really good and annoying reflection, right? Yeah. Because we do it. We all do it. And and it, yeah, I'm curious because I know you're, you are so big on like the outside in, right? And using yeah. that to inform and better who you yeah. are as a person. What, what do you say about that? Yeah, because I, you know, and and thank you, by the way, for being vulnerable and sharing as an extrovert that you have these insecurities about being seen with your legs. Like, for instance, like, that's the thing. A lot of times people will see people who look confident based on their extroversion. I'll just say that. But really, we inside, we all have these insecurities. It's so true. And it's what we do with them, I think, is what matters because- when you say out loud, if someone gives you a compliment and says, Ooh, you look gorgeous. And you say, Ugh, I hate my legs. You literally are taking not only your own power away, but you're dissing them and that mm-hmm. compliment because they're gifting you with what they see as somebody beautiful. And you're just saying, I don't accept it. And really you're just, it's like a self-rejection almost, you know, and, and, and I think we all do this in so many ways. And I see women doing this even more. I think we've been socialized as women also to not lean into compliments, but to like, Oh, oh, those, those silly things. No, I'm not, I don't have great legs or, you know, whatever it is that we, we do. And part of dating. And I always talk about this is that when you learn to embrace compliments and, and show up in ways that you can own yourself, Mm. it's super sexy. Like that's why it's like standing out can be so sexy when you own it, not Mm. to show it off to get 
attention that's different than actually owning yourself. And I wanted to distinguish that because I think what we're talking about is being okay, being seen, standing out in the most confident way. That's like putting, you're like, you're marketing your best self, basically. Mm. Mm. Yeah, right. And it's, it's been interesting for me to watch the way that I talk about myself, like there are a couple of things in my body. I think we all have them, right? That I'm like, especially insecure about like that romper was real big in the top and kept falling down. If you want to make (laughs) inferences about that. Um, and, uh, and you know, it's like, wow, I, I, I project that into how someone would feel about me potentially as a whole human because of this one feature that I feel like should be bigger, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, and I'm curious going back to like you with your business and helping people stand out. What are some ways that you help with standing out? Like, do you use like voice body? Like, how do you do it? Cause I, I, I feel like there would be a lot of synergy with even, you know, with dating too. Yeah. You know, I think that for people who want to be podcast guests or they want to be better Mm -hmm. podcast guests. These are usually people who really enjoy real, authentic conversation. Like if they didn't, they would be choosing another way to market. Right. (laughs) Right. So, and there are a bajillion of them and everybody gets to choose and they all work if they're in alignment with you. Right. No matter what anybody else says. Um, So if real authentic conversation attracts you, then I think it's more about how you bring who you really are Mm. to that conversation than it is about, for me, any particular piece of, of it because I have seen too many people try to be like their favorite mentor or try to be like X, Y, Z, or try to copy someone else's business model or whatever. And I think we've all done it, especially we do it in the beginning of our businesses, if if we're entrepreneurs or, you know, in, in any job role, right? But then what winds up happening is we attract clients or business or create a brand that's not actually who we are, right? And I could I could see this in dating as well, like hiding parts of who you are, which I've done, then creates this picture of you that attracts people that aren't actually into who you really are. Because anybody else, right? <laughs> I lo- no, I love that, and it, it's it's something that I don't think people would think about that. That would be your answer. Like, mm-hmm. I, I love that. That was your answer. It being just like to yourself. Cause I, I call it shape shifting, what you're talking about in dating where people shape shift into what others want of you or to see of you, because in a way that's actually hiding. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the antithesis of standing out. Cause you're really hiding behind somebody else and what they want to see rather than showing up as you. 
the true you. So I, I love that you said that. I know that's why when people come to me all the time, they'll be like, Kimmy, can just give me a few lines to get me started with conversations or give me a few tips on what I can memorize and say, I said, absolutely not. I, no, I mean, I, I have a formula that I'll teach you that gets you out of your head and more authentic conversations, but there's no lines. That's why like, um, or like on the online apps, they have prompts. Mm -hmm. I always tell people not to use the prompts because mm -hmm. everybody uses the prompts. That's not mm -hmm. going to make you stand out as to your point, the authentic connection, because at the end of the day, people want to move on with people they like, period. I mean, look at you and I, like we, we kept this contact, you know, just because we had this like organic, authentic conversation. So yeah, that is a way of standing out. You're right. Mm. Yeah. It's like, it's like embodiment, right? Which I yeah. think I've really lived. And I wonder if this is true of anybody who's listening. I'd be curious. <laughs> I think I have lived most of my life, like neck up, like oh. just in my head, overthinking, trying to control by overthinking, projecting, future tripping, worrying, you know, and I'm like to the point where it's just, it was just like totally cerebral, all the things. And now that I'm learning to pay attention to what happens in other parts of my body, you know, it's like, oh my get a lot of information that was there all along. But guess what? I was just up here pretending it, you know? And, um, and that is such a great way to, right? And even how I feel when I put certain clothes on, right? Like how it influences how I feel in my body, all of it. Um, cause, cause what are we all looking for, right? We're looking for happiness. We're looking for joy. Like you just had, you had an interview not too long ago about the J spot, which oh, I was yeah. like, I have to know what <laughs> that, that is immediately. Right. Um, and, and how do we, how do we find it? More importantly, like, how do we know when we find it? Mm -hmm. We feel it. You know, and this is such a great place to kind of like button up the, where we started in the beginning, because, you know, when you hear the title, like how to stand out, right. And, and, or the subject matter, everyone I think thinks of being that extrovert and being kind of that person who just like is on stage. But in the end, that's not really what standing out is. It, it, it's actually allowing yourself to be seen as the authentic you and being so comfortable in your body, you know, and, and out of your head to your point and in your feelings and into connection. It's really the present state. I think when you're comfortable being in that present state, that's when the magic happens. Mm. Yes. And you're reminding me of people in my life who I love to be around, maybe have hired, right? Maybe mm -hmm. would go out on a date with whatever, who are not, their energy is very different than mine. Mm -hmm. And it is wonderful, right? Um, because they are, you can feel that they are authentic. They are genuine. And they are comfortable with who they are, right? They're not trying to be me. Right. And it's a beautiful, like, balance and space because that's 
that's just as attractive, right? Absolutely. It is. It's almost like the dance that we do with people and and the energy that, you know, we go and flow together. Hmm. Christine, you're so awesome. I want to keep going with you. But do you have um, any kind of parting words of wisdom or any like last kind of things you want to share with everyone? And also like let everyone know how they can find you. Hmm. So I think, I think my biggest piece of advice around, around standing out is how do you translate your core values into whatever it is that you're doing, right? If you are attracting uh, a, a partner, if you are attracting a new role, if you are attracting clients, right? And I mean, if, if, you're interested in the podcast guesting side of things, I would say like, I have done my best to take the core values that we're talking about here and translate them into podcast guesting. So if that's where you want to go with this, you can grab a checklist that I have of how to do that, how to get started as a guest in a way that embodies your full expression um, at lifewithpassion.com slash checklist. I love that. And actually what a great way of being heard and being seen is through podcasting. I, I I've seen a lot of people who didn't have a voice or their voice was shut down where they turn on the mic and they're finally heard and getting that kind of validation and confirmation that their voice matters. So everyone download that because that is like, I think that's a great first step, to be honest. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And this is podcasting is such a safe space, right? Because it is centralized. It is unregulated. You can talk about what matters to you. And I've even known people who have wound up in romantic partnerships because one of them was a guest on the other person's show. So, oh my God, we should start a, like a matchmaking podcast company. Oh my God. Okay. We'll talk off air about it. (laughs) Christine, thank you so, so much. I adore you. you. And thank you for joining me today. Of course, this has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kimmy Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And if you want to know more, make sure you go to my site, KimmySeltzer.com. And if you are someone who hides and wants to attract more opportunities in your dating life and social life by standing out with charisma and confidence. First, download that really cool thing that Christine just mentioned, because I think that's a good step in finding your voice. And then hop on a call with me to strategize a plan that we will map out together. Just click the link you see in the show notes to schedule that. And who knows, that one call could change the entire course of your life. And remember, working on you is working on your dating life. That's all for now. 